Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. We're still on pilgrimage. And what's so lovely about being here on pilgrimage is you meet pilgrims. You meet other people. Uh, not only the sick and the malad, but it's interesting to meet all these folks who are here with the Order of Malta. They, they sponsor our program, but they also do so many different great works in the world. And so I happen to be walking along, and here I see this beautiful young Icelandic woman who comes up to me. And I, I don't, I'm gonna, her Stefania is her name. She's a volunteer for the representative office in Ramallah, the, in, the, in the Holy Land there, right? Yes. Uh, so, Stefania, I'm not going to butcher your last name. So, <laughs> as you tell us your last name, how are you supposed to say it? Yeah, so I'm not going to say that. I'm yeah. going to say Stefania, right? Yes, that's Icelandic easy. names are complicated. Yes. Well, mm. complicated, but I'm sure they're very beautiful and traditional, and they mean a lot of things, but I have no idea. <laughs> so, Stefania, what fascinated me was you um, were standing there, and a lot of people that come from all these different places in the Order of Malta, all over the world, different people. You're from Iceland, and there's some, you know, the Great Great Britain and the, the Austra- Australians, uh, Austrians, uh, all these different countries are represented, and, and they'll bring things from their from their region, from their area, from their country, uh, and they'll sort of like to have these little uh, centers of, of a little marketplace where mm-hmm. people can kind of buy some things to help support uh, the order and the works of the order, and I saw this little bottle sitting on the table that you were standing next to, and it was interesting because it was like, it was olive oil. Oil. And I thought, well, okay, so they're selling olive oil. What is that? And it's like, come to find out, they're not selling the olive oil. This is olive, this very special olive oil that was here that they were making available to people. And I thought, well, let me find out more about this. And so we pick it up. And so I, I, I see that this is, um, uh, you know, in uh, the monastery of St. John of Jerusalem at Tantur. I'm thinking, what <laughs> on earth is this? Right, and so you start to tell us uh, about the history of this. It's quite fascinating. So, you know, I'm just going to say go. So, so tell me, tell me what you tell everyone when they when they see this bottle of olive oil, what it represents. I mean, where where does it come from? The the land, for instance, that it's on. Yes. Well, this is one of our new projects um, in our office in the Holy Land, and it's actually very exciting because it's one way for us to generate money into our projects. So this is a fundraising initiative. Right. There, we have this land, um, this property in the Holy Land. It's big, beautiful. We have 92 olive trees, ancient, some of them up to 1,000 years old or so, even older. Okay, so you have 1,000-year-old olive trees on this land. Yes, which was actually, the, the land was given to the order in the 11th century. And some of these trees are from back then. So wow. pilgrims, pilgrimage have planted the trees thousand years years ago that is beautiful so a, a thousand years ago there would be pilgrims that would would plant these trees mm-hmm. and so now this was hasn't been productive as of late right before i mean it, it wasn't being utilized for their olive trees no so um it's estimated that in the past they used the olive oil for lighting for the hospital the right. Holy family hospital for other purposes but lately the land has been just sort of neglected, neglected sadly and and um, 
last year the ambassador to the Holy to to Ramallah, Palestine. Yeah, right? to Palestine. He um, had the idea: how can we generate money from this land? And it was we can make how olive can we oil. Make and benefit. And again, it's not about right generating money so much as resources then to assist people in the in, yes, in the for, region for the, the project area. how can we finance ourselves how right. can we become sustainable how can we provide employment to the people in Palestine and and this was the, just the perfect project for that and so I, d- I don't know how they do this kind of stuff but obviously you don't just go around and turn a faucet on and get olive oil out of these trees right somehow there had to be a very traditional method of making these trees produce the mm-hmm. olives again even though they're a thousand years old, it wasn't like they were cons- constantly just producing olives. It wasn't in the in the shape it needed to be to no, be u- no, utilized no, no. that way. Um, it was it was in a rough shape, I think. But our neighbors had been kindly had been harvested the, the land for us, so um, the Palestinian people have been benefiting from this from this land before. And um, I wasn't there when um, when the harvest was in November, but um, apparently there were a lot of. Locals who were employed. We had a lot of volunteers. So people there who were actually part of this area that mm-hmm. not only would they they receive the benefit of, of the of the produce, right? They were actually mm-hmm. part of the of the the work, right? It gave them something to do and to be part of. To be, it's kind of like helping someone help themselves. It's kind of beautiful to see that. Yes, we're actually very proud to say that this project has generated some form of employment, short-term employment for up to sixty people. Everything from the harvesting to the final stages of bottling and labeling. So right, and so you have this beautiful little bottle of olive oil, uh, and it's like, well, hey, can I buy that? It's like, no, it's not for sale. No, it's because it's going straight into our dignity loan program and our other programs in the Holy Land. Right, so, so it's you're asking do- for donations. donations essentially, and yes. so these donations, then, um, you know. Again, the donations are there to support the project, to, to support a lot of works, a lot of things that are mm-hmm. that are going on uh, in that area, in that region. And, of course, we, we know the very, very troubled region mm-hmm. uh, that is all of the Holy Land, right? And all the politics and, and all of the religion aside, the reality is there are, there are genuinely good human beings there, right? People yes. who are... Uh, they're trapped in the middle of all of this disarray. They're and, trapped in politics. The right. people there want peace. The people there want to get along with each other. And they do, essentially. It's just politics gets in the way. So. Right, exactly right. And so here's an opportunity where you can help those people, mm-hmm. especially by allowing them to help themselves, actually putting them to work. And then as they generate um, some, some forms of, of finance, uh, donations that come from things like this olive oil, how beautiful it is that then those things go into more and more projects that that actually keep them uh, that help them to live to mm-hmm. to live a better life. Yes, actually, it's um, our main beneficiary is the Dignity Loan Program. So, tell me about the Dignity Loan Program. What is the Dignity Loan Program? So, actually, this olive oil project was launched as a part of the Dignity Loan Program, and initially, so it took place because of a loan, right? Yeah, so initially it, it was a grant from the Global Funds. Okay, so, the, and this, is, of course, is the Order of Malta sort of supervising this work and making all this stuff happen. Yes, so the Global Fund for Forgotten People gave us an, a grant initially to start this interest-free recyclable loan program. Okay. So that um, we give small amounts or loan small amounts to families 
uh, an individual, mostly women. I'd say right. over 80% are women. Interesting. Well, of course, that's because we're, we're working with people who wouldn't ordinarily have the means and even have the authority or the recognition of of their ability to do things. And mm-hmm. so the, so great. So you're, you're selecting these folks to kind of help build them up and, and build character, yeah. but to make their lives better. Yes. And these people live in the North of Palestine in very marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. And, um, most of these towns have very high unemployment rate of up to 60% mm. and higher among women. Right. So because this is, um, sort of a community based, when somebody pays off their loan, it goes to the next person in the community. Right. So they so, end up pa- essentially passing the loans yes. around. Yes. Yeah, so the people in the community, they know who's the current um, recipient. They want to sponsor them because they know they benefit from them paying back. So it's sort of a community thing. They support each other. We have a very active NGO that we work with right. in, this, in this area. And, and while it is, it is charitable in the, in the sense that it's assisting people, uh, the, the fact that it's a loan helps build in the dignity of work, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yes. And helps them understand uh, that. And they, they want to pay this back. They want to pay this back. They want to work. And it, it's not that these people choose to be unemployed. It's, it's, so we're giving them a different way of living. We're giving them dignity back. And that's beautiful. That's something yeah. that's one of the most important words in the Palestinian society, dignity. Everything has to right. be about you keeping face and dignity. You could overhead, you know, and you could drop food and you could drop provisions and you could drop money or whatever, mm-hmm. but essentially you're not fixing anything or helping anything until you actually talk about human dignity and helping yeah. people to, to learn how to help themselves. Yes, and, and people are proud. They used to have work. It's just that it's just yes it's changed a bit so these people are very thankful and and this has been one of my favorite part of our work in palestine and i i'm lucky enough that i get to meet these people every week we go drive up on saturdays it's it's a few hours away and and you know most of these people don't speak english but you don't need to translate emotions it's just it's beautiful so you get to see you know, face to face. Yes. The impact of programs yes. like this that are that are that are yeah. helping people. We meet them before. We meet them during. We see them grow, and it's just their smiles. They're you know they just they run up to you, give you a hug. They're just very thankful. And, and what do they say when they hug you? What, what are the kind of things that they that they tell you? They just tell us that their life has changed. A lot of them are able to provide employment to their neighbors, their family. You know, the, the fact that they can hire somebody just because of this little loan is, is, is unbelievable. It's really making an impact. And especially people know I'm a foreigner. I look different than them. They think it's funny that I'm in their town. So they drag me around their house, show me every Well, room. you got the blue eyes, the blonde hair, and the, the very white face, and you show up <laughs> in the middle of... Uh, you know this area, which you don't you don't visually fit in, right? You're very no. nice. It's very very nice and appealing, but you don't fit into the area, so yeah. you become you're the stranger at that. Yeah. Point. So a lot of the women just take me by the hand. They start showing me photos of their kids. Oh, and, that's beautiful. And they just really want me to get to know their family, and it becomes so personal for them as well. It's not just we're not a bank that gives them money. It's, exactly. It's something personal. They know that. I don't know. They just I don't know how to explain it, but. They're just so thankful. They know it's coming from us. They appreciate that we're personally involved. Well, this is a great story, and we have more to talk about. I want to I ask some more questions, and we'll see if we can find out some more stuff about 
these old olive trees and all that stuff and the olive oil. But uh, before we do that, I want to take a break. And before we do that, I want to remind you we have a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Little is known about the details of the life of St. Lucy. She lived in Syracuse in Italy in the early 4th century. One tradition tells us that her mother raised her to be a pious and holy young girl. She prayed fervently and often. St. Lucy decided at a young age to consecrate herself to God, but she did so secretly because she thought her mother would not approve. In fact, she had already made arrangements to have St. Lucy married to a wealthy and influential pagan in town. However, her mother, who had been ill for a very long time, was miraculously cured after her daughter prayed for her at the tomb of St. Agatha. She was so thankful to God for this blessing that when she discovered that St. Lucy wanted nothing more than to live as a bride of Christ, she eagerly and thankfully gave her approval to her daughter's willingness to live out her vocation. Her rejected suitor, however, was not as thankful, to say the least. When he heard what had happened, he gave St. Lucy's name to the local governor and told him she was a Christian. This was, in effect, a death sentence, as Christians at this time were being persecuted, most being subjected to unimaginable torture and painful deaths. Tradition tells us that St. Lucy's eyes were gouged out. In fact, she is usually depicted in artwork holding a plate with her eyes upon it. But even though she was blinded in this horrible way, St. Lucy would not recant her love of Christ. Finally, after much suffering at the hands of her persecutors, she was eventually martyred. The name of Lucy literally means light, and it was evident that even though she was blinded, she could still see clearly the light of truth that shone brightly in the fledgling church of the 4th century. And her clear vision can serve as a tremendous example for us. In fact, she has been named the Patroness of the Blind. We can all, in a sense, be blinded, blinded by the allurement of sin, and it is only through the mercy of God that we are healed. It is only through the light of Christ that we can truly see again. St. Lucy is one of the many Catholic saints who can help us see that light. By following in her brave and holy ways, we too can be healed of our blindness. Her feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on December 13th. I'm Bess and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, the French Catholic Cafe here in Lourdes, France, and I'm talking to Stephania, uh, who is a, uh, a volunteer for the representative office in Ramallah, uh, Palestine, in the Holy Land. Uh, right there uh, in, a, in a place that's uh, very troubled and destitute, you know, a lot of war and uh, politics and religion and some really things that are, that are really uh, weighing heavily on, on individuals, right? And so, Stephanie, I'm so glad you're here to tell us about some of the stuff when we were talking about thousand-year-old land 
of thousand-year-old olive trees now finally uh, producing uh, olives to make olive oil and how cool that is and what it's doing to actually benefit those. So this land is a special kind of place, isn't it? It really is. It's A lot of people don't realize that the order has this property. And, and how beautiful it and is. How and beautiful how beautiful it is. So if someone were to want to go there... Right? Would they? It seems to me it'd be nice to have some place for them to go, right? Because there's not going to be a, a a nice big four-star hotel right there <laughs> on the property. But what's what's happening now recently that that we that might give us cause to kind of go? Well, hey, I need to check into this later. Well, this this land is conveniently located, so it's right between Jerusalem at the outskirts of Bethlehem. Okay. And um, so we actually we haven't only been harvesting and, and making this olive oil, but we're actually in finishing construction, we're refurbishing an old house that was there, and um, it will open as a guest house for pilgrims. Oh, so uh, we can look forward to something like that. That's neat. So an yeah. opportunity then. And again, when we make pilgrimage, just like we are in Lourdes, we, we don't go just as, uh, as tourists, you know, to take pictures and uh, go to the gift shop and buy things. But really, when we make a pilgrimage, it's a spiritual encounter, and we want to go to the place. We want to pick up and move and go to the place. And so... This sounds interesting that you might be able to go to this beautiful land, this ancient land, mm-hmm. right? And, and to be able to experience this, to see the people firsthand. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think people would look forward to something like that. Now, you were saying that this um, this whole program was funded, the, the olive oil program was, was funded by a loan from the Dignity Loan Program. Mm-hmm. And so now that's not the only thing the Dignity Loan Program does, right? There's probably lots of other loans that are offered and who that are affecting people in different uh, uh, parts of that region. So do you have a few examples of some of the other things going on? Yes, like I was describing before, uh, we give most of our loans to women or to families that want right. to go into business they or expand their They tend to be the most destitute and the most uh, troubled and stressed right now, right? The, especially yes. the women because they have not the same respect that we would want uh, all human beings to have. They right? don't have the same opportunities. Yes. But, and actually, we, they've also shown to be more responsible with money. So that's I'm not going to take offense to that. It's okay. <laughs> I, I realize that. Trust me, my yeah. wife doesn't want to spend the money, and I like to spend the money. Yeah. So they, they hold tight onto the money that we provide them with, and, and they do amazing things with them. It's unbelievable to see some of the projects. So what are some of the things that have happened? What, is, what are some of the different stories you can tell me? Um, so on a, one of the most recent trips I went on, um, we visited um, a young young woman. She's younger than me. She's, um, she has three kids. She's divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a refugee. Her whole family is. So she's a single mom with three kids. Yes. Now, most of us, like in the United States, we know that's already a, a, it's, it's a challenge. Yes. Already that's difficult. But we have Walmart and Target, and we have banks, and we have you know gas stations on every street. We have all this opportunity. We have colleges and schools made available. We have all kinds of programs. But here, in this, this part of the world, you don't have all that stuff. No, she had no choice but to move in her family home, or if you can call it a home, in the refugee camp. Yeah. So, like a lot of these women that we help, she's just strong-willed, determined to make something of herself and, and wants to live with dignity and wants to provide something for her kids. So she applied for a loan to open a little shop. So it's at the ground floor of her family home in the, in the camp. So the Dignity Loan Program gave, them, gave her a loan, mm-hmm. which would allow her to build a shop. Yes. So it's, yes, basically. Awesome. But the thing is, it's it's not only the the money that we provide them with, but 
we have strong partners in these small communities and that identify participants, help them apply, and they also give them very good business training. Ah, so see. essentially, this, this woman is educated. She's taught how to run this business successfully, and and you can tell that it works. That's beautiful. I imagine she appreciates it, and really, I I think better than a handout, people appreciate the opportunity to be able to like her to be able to take care of her three children Mm -hmm. on her own because she feels like that's Mm -hmm. the responsibility that God gave her, Mm -hmm. right? That this is my place to do this. And so what the Dignity, well-named and aptly named, the Dignity Loan Program allows her to do is have that the dignity of of being a mother and the caretaker of her children. Yes. That's Of a human being. And the thing is that when they get the loans, we sit down with them and we discuss with them, like person to person, like... What do you think you can pay back? How, how should we do this? How long do you think you need? How many months do you need for a grace period? And these people are actually, they want to try to pay it back in the shortest amount of time. And we negotiate with them. How, what, what, what do you think you can pay per month? And it's, it's, it's and not right, a typical he, business transaction. That is, but it sounds typical in the sense that it's all, he's got negotiation and we're discussing paying back and we have probably interest rates or grace periods and all these things we talk about. But the reality is it's not so that the Order of Malta or the Dignity Loan Program can make money. That's not the, no, the purpose, right? But it's doing to help them understand because people mm-hmm. are more responsible mm-hmm. when they know that they're paying it back and they want to do and And what you're telling me is that... that they are eager to do this yeah. and to take on that responsibility because it's a sign of growing their own dignity, yeah. isn't it? And, and um, people have actually really started to hear about us. They know about this program. It's currently the only interest-free loan program in Palestine. That's so beautiful. a lot of families are getting into deep debt because they take these microloans and for their weddings, for example, and they're unable to pay back. And right. they, they don't get any training. They don't understand what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, but in we United make sure States, that doesn't happen. We call those loan sharks. Yes, and right? they do have them in Palestine yeah. as, as a part of a humanitarian project, but it's sadly it doesn't always work that way. So our program um, is safe for our participants. That's completely. beautiful. Now, so you have another example. Who is this, uh, the beekeeper? This is actually my probably my favorite project. It's... Um, it's two sisters that have a bee farm in their backyards. One of them started, and she was so successful, her sister decided to do the same thing. They, they have grown so fast, and we wanted to support them, so we asked if we could buy some honey from them, and they, they were sold out way in advance. Wow. And so one of the women's son, he's a, he's an engineer in Norway, I think, and he was able to move back, and he's helping out, and, and it's just providing a different life for their family. And, so isn't it beautiful to see what this does uh, just allows people to grow mm-hmm. in their own dignity, recognition of their own dignity, and then allows it, it empowers them essentially to, to be human and to be mm-hmm. in the world and to live in the world. How beautiful is yes. that? And some of them are so successful. I've, I've even thought, oh, I should become a bee, bee farmer. It sounds like a good job. That is so, so neat. It's, it's inspirational. Well, I, I didn't know they had bee farmers in that part of the world, but I apparently guess they, they do. They, they, apparently they do. Well, that's wonderful. And so now I'm sure people who are listening are saying, you know, this sounds like something neat that I'd want to get involved in. But what, what if they wanted to, to, to donate uh, and maybe, maybe get some of this uh, olive oil, the, the thing we talked about first? Is that stuff available? I mean, are people able to make a donation and receive some of that olive oil? Um, yes, we have been... We have the bottles available in Lourdes, but 
they're selling out the very quickly. Right, all yes. the listeners are going to get are going to get here exactly. to Lourdes in time to get the yes. bottle. No, but, but what if they had? What if they, they at least inquire? Right. Yes. So we have. We didn't bring all of them, so we have some left. So we can. We can arrange to ship them whatever. We'd be happy to have them distributed. Right. Of course, in, in exchange for a donation yes, and support. Yes, we have a din- to, minimum donation. Yeah, so, well, we can talk about all that later. So but we encourage they can find people to get in touch with us. And it's it's an easy way to support us. We right, also I'm gonna go have, the, can I go through the website stuff? Yes. Yeah, we're going to do that first because I want to tell, in case people want to do it. So get ready to write down the website. It's Order of Malta, all one word, Order of Malta dash Ramala which is R-A-M-A-L-L-A-H. So orderofmalta-ramala.org forward slash hour-work forward slash olive-oil. Now, I just lost everybody. They're like going, I'm not writing this down. And I'm not going to repeat it because two things you can do. One is you can email me, uh, Deacon Jeff at decatholiccafe.com, and I will help you find that contact information. But you were getting ready to tell me about another way people can contact you, an easier way. And yes, that is the Facebook thing. Yes, we've recently become very active on Facebook. So we would encourage everybody to look for us. It's Ordua Malta Palestine. And we try to keep update stories quickly, post a lot of photos. And we'd love to hear from you and and make sure you know what we're up to in the Holy Land. All the kids are doing it, right? Everybody's you know, doing it. Social media is, is so important, especially uh, in this context, because all of us aren't going to be able to travel to that mm-hmm. part of the world. Right. For whatever reason, it's just not easy to go there, but you can connect to there through the social media. And so mm-hmm. uh, Order of Malta Palestine is a way on Facebook. If you go there, you're able to connect with the people and you, you see these stories. You can have conversations and you can find out more about how to get involved, how to donate. Maybe you can provide resources uh, and really just to you know, get some of the olive oil or whatever, but really just to be part of the story that's going on over there. That's amazing stuff. Stephania, thank you so much for sharing with us well, all about all listening. the great works that are going on <laughs> over there. Uh, and I'm so excited. And I really, uh, I really think that, uh, that this is like some of the best way that we can help people, not by, you know, airdropping a bunch of stuff on people, but really helping them, helping them to grow uh, in their human dignity. That's a wonderful work of the order. Stephanie, thank you for being here in the uh, luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. <laughs> thank you for having me. Let's, we're going to close in prayer because when we come to, uh, to Lourdes, we, always, uh, we know we're called by our Blessed Mother. And so we'd like to invite uh, uh, our listeners to pray with us as we uh, pray a Hail Mary, especially for all those. Uh, you know, Mary is the mother of all. And so all the people in Ramallah, Palestine, uh, the Holy Land, all throughout that troubled region, Mary is their mother as well. And uh, let's just uh, say a Hail Mary on behalf of all of those people. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at 
thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stibe, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.